we can sell and market as much as we want. But if people come in and it falls flat and they don't enjoy the experience, we're at nothing. It's so much easier to retain a customer than buy a new one. Hi and welcome to episode 48 of Gary Talks. I'm your host, Gary Kelly. And this week I'm joined by the wonderful Ivana Ryan, who is the Group Marketing and Innovation Manager at the Connacht Hospitality Group. For anyone interested in marketing, embracing challenges and simply being a fighter, this is for you. In this episode, Ivana talks about 11 brands that she manages with her team, including giving us an exclusive on a new product that the group are now investing in. Ivana talks about the changes in marketing in the past two years and how they are streamlining their marketing now. She talks about balancing the diversity of customers, having millions engaging in their online accounts every month, and why it's important to get perspective on your job. I also get to talk to Ivana about acting in the Irish film War of the Buttons when she was a child and all the fun that came with that. She also talks to me about being a single parent to her son Killian, her presidency plans at the Galway Chamber of Commerce and the challenges women face in the workplace when trying to balance work and family life. There's lots discussed, so sit back, relax and enjoy. This is a GK Media Podcast. Ivana Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on Gary Talks today. Thanks, Gary. I'm excited to be here. And I know it's a podcast so people can't see you, but you do look fabulous. Thank you so much. Oh, that's the nicest thing anybody said today. Thank you. Gay Byrne said to me before when I met him in the G Hotel years ago doing a masterclass, always get people's role correct when you're introducing them. So check it with them yeah. before you go on air. And I was saying, you're still group sales and marketing manager. And you said, no, that's changed. And I love what it has changed too. So your official title now at the Connacht Hospitality Group is? Group Marketing and Innovation Manager. Why innovation? Why innovation? I suppose hospitality is changing. It has changed. It's an industry that's slow to change. But I suppose for us in the Connacht Hospitality Group, we looked last year and we realised, particularly post-COVID, how much things have changed. And the traditional sales and marketing manager role, it worked, but it wasn't the most effective role I could be in. So can you break that down? What was working before that doesn't work today? Well, I suppose when I first started in sales and marketing, your marketing was a, a brochure and a flyer and then maybe your website a bit. Now marketing has so many facets. It's brand management. It's all of the different platforms. It's understanding e-commerce. It's content creation. It's all of that. And sales for our company is very much, we're focusing on it as a reactive piece now, which is let marketing drive the droves and drive the masses to us. And have a really effective reactive team who are there answering the phones or responding to emails or ideally book and direct on our website. And they're analyzing the data. So for us as a company, marketing and innovation became much more aligned and sales and revenue management became much more aligned. So we have a fantastic, what was her role was group revenue manager, Sarah Comer, who is a deeply analytical data driven person. And she understood all the facets of the business. And so her new role now is group commercial manager. So she manages all of the revenue that is driven into the businesses. You know, we're very, very lucky in Galway and we almost have 
I would say we have an embarrassment of riches. So many people want to come here. So we looked at our business and said, it's not driving the business here. It's about streamlining the business that we wanted and making sure we're maximizing all the opportunities that come in. And people don't have the patience to wait around to be responded to now. Building, building a really effective, reactive team, as opposed to having somebody who goes, when I first started was 30 sales calls a month. Mm. So you did 30 sales calls a month, you might got a business out of three of them. Maybe four if you were very lucky. As in cold calling people. Setting up, having an appointment, talking to them about your business. Everybody's online now. Marketing is so effective that really, when you think about the corporate market in Galway, it's really about brand awareness. Do they know where your business is? And then when they reach out, is somebody going to respond to me? As opposed to waiting to arrive at somebody's door with a brochure and say, hey, how are you? This how many meeting rooms we have and this is what we have. People are doing their research online and they're reaching out directly. There's definitely still a place for that personal touch and people knowing people within a business. But ultimately, for us to be more effective at our time is we've decided now we streamline all of our inquiries and all of our messaging through marketing. And then we have a really, really effective reservations, reactive sales roles. Because it's interesting for your particular business, you don't really have, you know, a handful of customer profiles because you've so many businesses under the umbrella of the hospitality group. Like there's so many messages you've to put out because you've such a variety of demographics. Like is it 10 brands? As of today, 11 brands. 11 brands. 11 brands that we manage within my team. Yeah. So break them down for me. You have... Connacht Hotel, Hyde Hotel. And the Connacht Hotel is the biggest hotel outside of Dublin. It's a beast. Yeah. It's a beast. And funnily enough, everything they teach you about marketing almost doesn't apply to the Connacht Hotel. So one of the key things I remember learning once was know what you are and do it really well. Well, in the Connacht, we're everything. Yeah. You know... I jokingly call it the airport because you're there and you have an international rugby team. You have corporates. You have families who are meeting. You might have a hen party checking in. And then you have locals coming in to celebrate a lunch. And they're all sitting in the same space. So with the volume of business that we do, we're in every market in the Connacht Hotel. We can be a bit more niche and we are a bit more niche in Hyde Hotel. We have Residence Hotel, which is a Gorgeous little 20 bedroom boutique hotel down on Key Street. We've 1520 Bar, which again is part of that building. We've Ampucon and we've Hyde Bar. And Ampucon then has the biggest social media following of any bar in Ireland. I think so, yeah. We're, yeah. we're still up there. Um, huge social engagement. Unbelievable. Like hitting millions every month. Not hundreds of thousands, millions every month with engagement. I can take no credit for it. That's my my colleague, Kieran O'Malley, who heads that up, but has really built a, a fascinating model there that we're, we're replicating throughout the rest of the businesses. Yeah, the content is really funny. I it's love good. it. Yeah, it's yeah, good. It's yeah. good. We hate to tell him it, but he is quite funny. <laughs> and this is the Kieran O'Malley who is on the big News Coming Soon podcast with Alan Clark, Absolutely. who's recently on the show. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I don't talk to him enough during the day. I like to listen to him on a podcast <laughs> in the evening. <laughs> Um, we've Wild, which is our brand new artisan deli that we've opened up there on Foster Street that really it focuses on sustainability, health and local produce. And it's a gorgeous offering to that street. It's the old tourist office for anybody who who's wondering where that is. We have Goa Big Golf Resort. That's a huge, 
huge undertaking. Absolutely. And and really exciting plans there over the next couple of weeks. And you had Bill Murray golfing there last year, didn't we you? We did. Yeah. We did. And he stayed in the Connacht and we got them down to 15-20 and we gave them a great Galway experience. Fascinating. Now, I'll, I'll tell you some stories over a, a glass of wine some night. <laughs> um, we have Galway Hooker, which is a brand we took over uh, twenty twenty one. The drink. The drink. Galway Hooker beer. Oh, I didn't know yeah. you. Wow. So we've taken over Galway Hooker beer and really, we so we did a brand refresh last year, really freshened up the core range and we've really exciting plans for that brand over the next couple of years. Wow, amazing. I'll give you an exclusive. We have a new whiskey that is coming out in, in March. So we really want to elevate Galway Hooker into a, a global drinks brand. Is the whiskey a Galway whiskey? It'll be a Galway whiskey. Super. It'll be brewed in Galway. Excellent. It'll be our own whiskey. So there's lots of exciting plans for that brand and more stuff, as, as Alan and Kieran would say, more stuff coming soon mm. um, that I, I can't tell you about right now, but I will. So we have that. God, you've lost me. We have a, a, a beautiful property called Luxury Galway Rentals, which is a high-end rental property. We have our Connacht Cruiser, which is a state-of-the-art motorhome that's based in the Connacht Hotel and that's ideal kind of self-catering. Yeah, one of the guys from Today FM presenters, him and his family were there. Dave Moore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he loved it, yeah. loved it. So we have that. We have The Dock, which is our our a sub-brand within all of our properties. It's our coffee offering. So we have The Dock at the Connacht and we have The Dock at Wild currently and soon to be the dock at Galway Bay. So we have that. How many am I up to? <laughs> oh my God. It's very hard to keep. Uh, like how how do you actually manage all that? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> structure. We have to have structure. We have to plan. Um, like do you give an hour on a Wednesday to this, an hour then to, like? No, no. And we'd love that kind of structure. No, it's really priorities. You know, certain Parts of our business are the biggest revenue generators. So they'll always take precedent. Then there's projects, new new businesses like Wild. But on any given week, we could have five to ten campaigns running. Now, a lot of them, we're 90, I'm going to say 98% digital. So a lot we can set up and have running. Mm-hmm. But it's all about planning. I talk about this. We, I have a fantastic, I work with a fantastic team. Everybody has their core skills. We're very lucky. We, we almost say our team's like an agency. But do the owners come up with, oh, we're going to buy this now? Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay, great. More yeah, work? <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and that is it. Like some days, you know, we've B&G props. It doesn't necessarily fall in under the kind of hospitality group, but it's a prop company who do props for film sets. So there, there's always the excitement. And, and the ongoing joke is, what's next? Yeah, what do we do next? But for my, you know, for our team, you know, it's really all, it's just about managing priorities. Every time I meet you, and I've known you, I think since nearly we started up GK Media 10 years ago, like you're always happy and upbeat. If I was in your shoes, I'd be so stressed. Yeah, I, I suppose I've thought about this over the last couple of years as I try and manage my own stress is I, I have a lot of perspective. I have four sisters. Three sisters are nurses and my mother's a nurse. So when I have a stressful week, it's a stressful week. When they have a stressful week, it's a different level. So I always say, and you know, we're not saving lives. Let's not get too worried about things. We all have pride in what we do. We're all very ambitious and want 
really want for our own egos, for the business, for everything, for, for things to run well. But ultimately, if we make a mistake, we make a mistake. If we drop a ball, we drop a ball. Nobody's going to die. Whereas I have a sister who works in ICU here in UCHD. Her job is stressful. I have another sister who works in infection control. The last few years have been extremely intense for her. She's dealing with life and death. If she's not doing her job right, people are going to get sick. That's where you manage. That's where you get a bit of perspective. But it can be hard when you're in the middle of some oh. situation just suddenly gone upside down. Absolutely. Like, and we when do. did you have a moment, like, what was the worst moment where your stomach was just in knots from something going terribly wrong? There's not a lot. COVID. COVID was terrifying. That initial, we're going to have to close for three weeks. And my brain initially goes to solution. Mm. So I go straight to solution. Okay, three weeks. We'll be fine. We're going to use this time to plan. Did I, does yeah, everybody yeah. have laptops? How are we going to do this? I had to take it in bite sizes. There's no way my brain could commute that this was a three-year marathon. <laughs> I was like, bite size. How are we figuring out today? What are we doing? How are we going to fix this? And then it started to seep in that it got more serious and it got more serious. And for me, it was disbanding the team. We didn't know how long this was going to go for. And in the first lockdown, we went from 10 people to me. We still had, I think at that stage, eight brands. We still wanted to keep all the brands alive. That was the important thing. We didn't know when we were going to turn this back on. Yeah. And if I didn't keep the brands alive, Pukon was Kieran's baby. The social me media was his baby. And all of a sudden, I'm given the keys to that. And I went, oh God, I have to be conscious of my messaging. I have to look, think about tone. We have to communicate to customers. We have to let people know in a very respectful way, you know, what's going on with the business. That was one where the walls were closing in. But all you do is you go, what can I control? What can I manage? What can I do? What's my intention in this? And our intention was, okay, we need to make sure anybody who has a booking with us knows what's happening. We need to make sure the messaging of that is on brand and the right tone for what was going on at the time. I was very lucky then with the company is I was able to build the team back up fairly quickly. Everybody came back, thank goodness. And from then we were, it was all just a series of, okay, how are we dealing with today? What's going on? What's new? What's different? As I was saying earlier, everybody in the team has a different skill set. You know, we have, we, we recently took on a copywriter, somebody who all they do is write, it's a great guy called Trevor and all he does is write written content. Kieran, PR and, and digital marketing. And we've Aoife who manages content. So it's all just about going, this is what we're doing. And everybody gets allocated their task from that. I also, luckily enough, you know, I've never left a job or changed, made a career change for anything other than I was bored or I stopped learning or I stopped mm. growing. With a Connacht group, that's never going to be an option. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you know, just when you think, oh God, we need to start thinking about Christmas parties. They go, oh yeah, but before that, you know, we've bought this. And you go, okay, great. And who owns the group? Two brothers, Peter and Paul Fitzgerald from Clarenbridge. Two great, great guys. Two Galway lads. Two Galway lads from Clarenbridge. And we've another company director, John Carmody. John has historically overseen the construction side of the business but is very involved in our in the Connacht Hospitality Group as well. Are they like ideas, man? Ideas. They're mm. all mad ideas. What do you think of this? Will we give this a go? What do you think of this? And how do you create that atmosphere? Because marketing can become very administrative 
creative, if that's the correct word. You know, everyone's just on keyboards and analyzing data and just, you know, how do you get or create an environment that is creative and exciting and impulsive? If I'm honest, it can be very hard. It, it can be hard. I'd love to say we've we've cracked the code with it. But I think what we do is we all respect that everybody brings something different to the table. And there's a side of the house that's very office based and takes care of the analytical side and, and the planning and the strategic side of things. And then there's the creative side of the house that, you know, it's your job to think big and mad ideas and how do we execute them? And that's what we try and find the dance and the balance. I suppose one of the main reasons we're so predominantly digital is we can see what's working and what's not working. We can get a sense of the brands and we can report back uh, and say, okay, that worked, that didn't work, that landed wrong, what's going on with this? And you can tweak and play. As you know, marketing changes every day. You know, Kieran O'Malley jokes, Facebook didn't exist when he got his marketing degree. (laughs) I, you know, I don't have any formal background in marketing. I've never been to third level. It wasn't the path for me, but I'm always learning. I'm always going, what's new? What's this? And I, we have a team who teach me things every day. So what do you think the fact you don't have that third level degree certificate that is rolled up in the attic? What is your niche skill? I feel like I'm a very empathetic person. So I feel like I, I can feel and sense things. And I can do that with markets. You just get a feeling for what will work and what won't work. I understand brand very easily. Not very easily, but I, I feel it's a skill I have. I, I understand brand. I understand staying true to your brand and what will work and what won't work. And I'm always curious. And it's really just about surrounding yourself with people who teach you things. One of the things that we've done within our team over the last couple of years is taking marketing graduates. And we don't do a lot of hierarchy in our team. And it's not a case of, you know, I'm the boss, don't tell me what to do. It's a case of, you're fresh, you're new. Tell me what your voice says. Yeah. All of all of our core markets are covered within our team. So it's all about saying, what do you think? You're the core market for this. And they'll say, mm, yeah, me and my friends would go there. Uh, and, and it's funny, actually, it reminds me of during COVID where we were trying to analyze how we were going to come out of this. And we very quickly said, okay, we're going to have early adopters. We'll have the people who were the last to go into the caves and they'll be the first out of the caves. And we'll have the cautious. We'll have the ones who, you know, were quick enough to get into the cave, but are going, they're going to really need this if we're going to entice them back into our businesses. And then we have the extremely cautious, the ones who were the first to obey all the rules, the first to to really take this seriously. And they're going to be the last to come out. Within our team, we had somebody of that personality type. So we're able to say, how would this land with you? Or what do, would you do in this situation? And they'd say, well, my opinion is this, this and this. And you go, okay, that's the tact we're going to go with. We're not going to overthink this. That's the tone we're taking with that. Or that's a market we're not we're not going to talk to right now. We'll stay in touch with, but we're not selling it to them. They don't want it. They're not interested. This market ready to go. How are we going to serve them over the next, you know, and it wasn't the next year. It was the next month, yeah, you yeah. know. But it's so important what you're saying, you know, listen to what the young people have to say, because they are your future audience. You know, they're your customers, some of them already. But they're coming in, they know different 
apps that are out or what's trending, what's new, what's exciting. And this mentality of, look, again, this is what we've always done, this is what we'll keep yeah. doing, just doesn't exist. No, and, and we were very lucky last year. We worked with ATU and we took on a number of graduates and we had guys coming in that went, oh, no, I definitely want to work in social media who all of a sudden said, no, I love websites. Yeah. I really enjoy the websites. I love the Google analytical side of things. I love being able to analyse what's working and A-B testing. And that was just some, it, it would really help them when they went back then to focus their discipline because I don't think anybody's going to be an expert. Well, maybe I'm, I'm underestimating, but I think it's very difficult to be an expert in overall marketing now. Oh, completely. Completely. Yeah. And anyone who says that they are are just... You know, yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's really about saying, like, my worst nightmare is having to sit and analyse Google Analytics all day, every day. I can understand it. Mm. I have an idea. Uh, I know what our KPIs are and I know how to go look for them. But Rebecca on our team is excellent at that. It's digestible. She knows where to pull the content for and she knows what to do at the front end to influence the back end. I'm never going to be arrogant enough to think I know everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that comes from probably not going through that third level piece is that I have to get my learning from the world. You know, you have to take it all in and, oh, tell me how you do that. And, oh, I didn't know anything about that. And But those coming in, studying marketing in college, mm. coming into the kind of hospitality group doing um, work experience or work placement for uh, a number of weeks. What are they missing that they're not getting in the college environment that exists in the real environment? Oh, practical. Just a practical element. Hospitality is different because we operate at pace. Pace is our is key. You know, we don't have time to sit around and 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 and, re- and I'd love to sit around and really think about, you know, smoking that pipe on the prom. This is it, and and, and it's not a, it's not sitting around like madmen having a drink and throwing words at a wall. Yeah. It's it's not that. Um, so it's that practical. It's it's how marketing has a commercial like it, it's the commercial sense of it. What are we doing? What's our intention? Is our intention to build brand awareness? Is our intention to drive revenue? Is our intention to engage? Is our intention to capture data? What are we looking to do in this piece? And I think we can, you can have all of the, you can do all the projects in the world on it, but until you can actually get in and get into the root of it and see the results, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, there has to be an intention with mm. what you're doing. Let's go back. I am a big movie buff. I study film and TV in college. And I don't know, are you going to hate me for bringing this up? But it's so cool that you starred oh in a movie when you were young. I mean, to me, that I is so... I thought I was here to talk about marketing. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, listen. What, 1994? 92. 92, War of it. the Buttons. 92, we filmed it. Um, it came out 93, 94. So tell me what's going on in your head as a young girl starring in an Irish movie. Like, were you thinking Hollywood is the path I want to oh, see? Oh, God, no. No, no, no not well, at all. that would have been me now. Yeah, no, not yeah, at all. Yeah. Listen, I... Full of myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, I admit it. <laughs> um, I was never a Billy Barry kid. I know a lot of people think, I listen, if there's a if there's a word count, I'll hit it and I'm not shy. But it it was... For me, I frame that as what a phenomenal experience. 
But I think like I go through everything is it I took it day by day. I didn't, I had no expectations for that to, to grow or be anything. So did you go into an audition and be like, yeah, whatever? Well, I'll tell you the story, actually. We saw it in the Connacht Tribune. And my mother turned around and, and like that, it was, you know, the 90s. We had, there's six kids in our house. And Mammy just, I remember her, you know, looking over the paper and going, they're looking for you here. And I said, oh. And she said, yeah, they're looking for somebody who is around 13, 14, looks 10 and looks like they could scream. And I said, all right, OK. And funnily, you know, and again, this is why I truly believe everything, you know, happens for a reason. We had gone into Galway the next day, come into the city to shop. I mean, we were never brought shopping. And uh, my friend Brenda, I met her on the street and I said, uh, what are you doing? She said, oh. I'm going to go to this audition thing we saw in the Connacht Tribune. And I said, oh, I'll go with you. And I go up the stairs and I meet Roz Hubbard, which is a huge mm. cast and director. And I met with her and she said, will you come back in an hour and read from this script? And I go across to Dunn's. It was in the Imperial Hotel. And I go across to Dunn's and I meet my mom. And I said, I'm after going to this audition thing. And they want me to come back in an hour. And she looks at her watch and she's like, oh, fur. <laughs> go on, go on. So I go, I, I go back an hour later and I, again, you know, and this is a theme with my life is, you, you know, you just throw yourself into things, you'll figure them out. And I, I sat down in front of them and I read and they said, I need you, to, we need you to go to Cork tomorrow. And I went, oh, you're going to have to ask my mom. And this is pre-motorway as well. <laughs> this is pre-motorway. <laughs> you're going to have to ask my mom. Cork is one hell of a journey. This is it. So my parents are out in the car and Roz Hubbard comes out and she says, hello. Um, we'd like Ivana to go to Cork tomorrow and my mother's eyeballing me as if to say what have you gotten us involved in here and she said right uh, what is this <laughs> so fully enough we go to Cork the next day she sends me and my, my, my sister off to Cork and we went down there for a week and again knew nothing about anything we did a auditions and I auditioned opposite people like Jonathan Reese Myers and a few others and Colin Meany's down there and you're going, this is a bit mad. Mm. And after I think it was four or five days, it was, don't call us, we'll call you, they sent me home. Again, that was a lovely experience. Did we get to go down and stay in a hotel? It was awful. It was fierce fancy and came home and didn't hear anything. And about two weeks later, they called and they said, come back down for one more audition. And like that, my mother's like, oh my God, we've this one has to go down here now. So we go down and I didn't go home for three months. Wow. Yeah, they kept us down there. And it was amazing. I was living in a house with 18 boys. And this shot you in the summer, is it? Shot you in the summer and into kind of the school oh, year. Some school. Oh, God. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, we got chaperones <laughs> and tutors and sure. But it was the most amazing experience, like phenomenal. And I went from being in a busy house of six kids where, you know, my sisters would say I got a lot of attention, but you're your middle child. You get up, get out, get in, get out. And all of a sudden, people are fawning all over you all day. And mad about myself here. Absolutely delighted with myself. But I remember coming home the one time, actually, I got home for a quick visit in the three months. And I walked in the front door, mad about myself, my new <laughs> denim jacket. Everybody in Cork thinks I'm the business. So and my sister's at the bottom of the stairs and she looks me dead in the eye and she said, you're not special, Mammy said so. <laughs> <laughs> and that's as west of Ireland as you get. And I went, I know, I know. I know I'm not special. I'm not trying to say I am. So, but 
what ensued, it just these amazing experiences. You know, I get to, you get to go over to the UK, you're in Planet Hollywood for three days, you know, and a junket. I didn't even know what a junket was. You know, you're on Saturday morning TV and the whole thing has been nothing but blessings and continues to be blessings. Like we have a WhatsApp group of all wow. of us that were in the movie together and it's great crack. And it's, we had a, a reunion a few years ago. Oh, and 25 years. With the 25 yeah. years and you know, there's still a couple of the lads, you know, are still pursuing it and, and still very hungry for it. And then there's others that just go, wasn't it great crack? And we loved it. But I did a few auditions afterwards and I got a couple of small jobs, but I never had the hunger. It was, I didn't, it wasn't, I wasn't driven. I was no Saoirse Ronan. There wasn't a film industry in Ireland at the time. So it wasn't like there was a huge amount of opportunity, but it was brilliant brilliant experience. Yeah. And look where the country is now with so many nominations Absolutely. at this year's Oscars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something I, I played with for years and I did a lot of plays and I did a lot of shows. In the last few years, just haven't had the time to do that, but I loved it. I always saw it as it was a hobby. It was never something that I ever thought I could do as a career. So marketing is your real drive, is it? Marketing found me. It, it's just so happened that it's become a real passion for me. I was a young mum. I had Killian at 20, 19 into 20. And it's always just been the two of us with my parents' support. So it was a case of Ivana Ryan, you've got to get your together and build a career for yourself. Like you're 20 years of age. Yeah. And you've just become a mom. Yeah. You've probably seen your other friends. All off in college. Like Celtic yeah. Tiger was kicking off at this stage. I People missed had all of that. money to just throw yeah. away. Yeah, missed all of that. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those where. Like, was it, a, I know you had the support of your parents, but like inside you, was it lonely? I would never say it was lonely. I can remember being pregnant at 19 and going, again, you click into solution. What am I going to do here? And I had a very, very clear thought process. Ivana Ryan, this might be the only time in your life you ever do this. Enjoy it. So even at 19, going, and, and as it transpires, it's probably, well, say probably. Is Have you the, news? It, no. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a miracle Another now Another exclusive this coming up here. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody thinks their child is perfect. <laughs> I have thoroughly and beyond enjoyed the journey of being a parent. I've always loved it, enjoyed it, been very present in it. I was very lucky. I have lots of sisters, lots of support. I, I say I did it on my own. There was a lot of physical support, like my, my mother's Killian's other, other parent. And I have sisters who were all involved. We always say it was a village. We had a village rearing the kids. And it, for me, has only ever been a blessing. Genuinely, and, and that's not disingenuous. But Ireland was a different country Very back then. Different. So, like, yeah. did you get looks on the street or family distance themselves from you or judge you? Yeah, if that happened, I didn't consciously take it in. It was a shock, you know, my parents weren't delighted. But he was a blessing and he was a great baby and he a, was a great kid and he's turned into who I feel is a very good man. And if it wasn't for him, he gave me direction. He gave me focus. He gave me drive. He is my biggest critic and my biggest supporter. You know, at, at times in your life when 
you know, people tell you what they think you want to hear or they don't want to upset you. He's the person I now ring and go, was I out of line here? And he go, yeah, you have a tendency to do that. And I believe him because he's also the person that goes, that was class. You did a really good job there. You should do that more. You know, we've been a little team since the beginning. Yeah. And if it wasn't for him, I, I believe it or not, I, I, I was going to do fine art. I, I had a fine art degree. I had no business doing a fine art degree. I wasn't good enough for a fine arts degree, but that's what, that's where I got into. That was the college. I wanted to do makeup for film and theatre, but I was making no direction towards that. And he gave me focus. And so what happened was then the big fancy hotel, the Shearwater opened in Ballasloe. I was very lucky. I was working in, in as a travel agent uh, for this great company in Ballasloe called Keller's and they do French camping holidays which is um, I'd spent a couple of seasons in France working on campsites so they took me in and I worked in the office there and I learned admin skills and you know I I didn't even have an email the day I started with them I had no computer skills Um, but they were patient you know they took me on and it ran its course It, it got to the stage where I was like okay I know how to do this job what next I know how to do this job now what next so an opportunity came up in the Shearwater in Ballinasloe and as a reservations agent. And I was like, oh, I could do that. Take on the job. No problem. And there was a GM there at the time, a great guy called Dermot Birchall. And within six months, he had me in sales. Uh, he said, I need you in sales. I want, you know, I want you working in, uh, in the sales team. And when I tell you, and it was with Carlton at the time, who were a real strong brand um, and had hotels all over Ireland, so I would go to these monthly meetings with these people who'd, who'd, who'd hospitality degrees, marketing degrees, huge amount of experience. And I'd make notes and I'd say RFP question mark. Um, you know, you'd be yeah, yeah. and it was just I had to absorb it all. I had to take it all in and you'd come back and you'd figure it out. You had everything was figure outable. Mm. I'd, I'd, you know, I did what I didn't know. I had to go and find. And actually, that was Mr. Keller from Keller Travel. One of the first things he taught us, he said, you might know the answers, but you can go figure it out. And that's been my life's mantra nearly. You know, I I always take the job I'm not qualified for. I always say yes, even when the back of my brain I'm going, can you believe they're after asking you to do that? You know, so there was a drive in me that I knew I was going to be a single parent with Killian. I knew I needed to give him the life he deserved to live. I wanted him to be proud of me. I wanted him to be hopefully inspired by me. And we have no victim language in our house. You know, things happen. How are we going to fix it? What are we going to learn from it? We move on. You know, if he was sitting here, he'd say, say, what is your mother always saying? Our life is not that tough. We have so many blessings. There are people out there who have real problems. We don't. So when you want to wallow and you want to go, Oh, my life's been really hard. No, I'm blessed. I'm healthy. Killian's healthy. I have a great supportive family network. And we have, where I haven't the training, I have the skill set to figure things out. And I know that I have that kind of core skill. So when I, when opportunities present themselves, I don't hesitate as much as I probably should. I go, sure, no problem. I'll figure it out. It'll be okay. You might have friends now who have young 
family mm. at this stage. And you, yeah. You've gotten through all that. You're, you're having lovely eight hour sleeps now if you want. My best friend, Aoife, with the same age, she is three under three right now. Oh. And I go and visit and I look at her and I go, oh, my God, Aoife. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and my friend Anya said at Christmas, she said, you're the poster child for teenage pregnancy. <laughs> but it's, at least you have more energy back then. And we're out the other side of it. He moved out last year. And that was a big adjustment for me. There wasn't a lot of parenting in the last few years with him. It was the company. It was us. It was our team. But I don't own him. He doesn't belong to me. That, and that's always been my thing. My job is to create a functional adult. And when he was ready at 21 years of age to move out, I'm after telling my age there now, haven't I? <laughs> um, when he was ready to move out, for me, there's pride in that. And I have to, I have to be able to rationalize it in my head that I've done a good job if he's ready to take on the world at 21. Albeit now it's a complete life adjustment for me. Something that's playing on my mind a lot lately is, you know, I'm a, I'm a daddy of two young girls and the business has grown significantly over the last few years. And I can see, you know, a lot of my thinking time and physical time is taken up with running the business and trying to scale it and improve and all that. And as the team grows, you're investing in that also. And it's, it's hard when you're, you know, you want to be a present dad as well and be involved. And, you know, I often think of, God, this must be even so much harder for a woman than I think of someone like yourself. I think in marketing, it, it must be hard if you're a mother with young children because the hours aren't always nine to five, no. especially in hospitality. Definitely not in hospitality. So there's that going on. And then there's the experience you had of being a single mother. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to take away. It is extremely, it's the hardest job I've ever had. There's definitely been moments where I've fallen apart. You know, and you do. That mommy guilt is, and I'm not taking away from fathers, but there's a mommy guilt. And particularly when you're the only parent. In our situation, there wasn't even a, you know, there wasn't another parent he even went to every second weekend. It was, it's always just been us. And the mommy guilt is horrific. But what I will say is I'm out the other side of it. And Killian Ryan is the better for it. With me making sure that I stay true to who I am as well. At the time, it felt like I was firefighting and I was, that is something I had to do. And that was my driver. Financially, I had to do it. But ultimately, what it has given him is an example of a really good work. Well, what I feel is I have a good work ethic, but it's quality time. When I was with them, I was with them. You know, I was very, very lucky that my mom could, you know, she picked him up from school and she did all of that. And she's your quintessential Irish mammy. <laughs> To the point where I'd go, I had no idea who this woman was that was, because I was like, that's not the mother that raised yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> there he is, the poor old young lad. God love him. There he is. Would you like your iPad, love? And, uh, you know, it was, uh, so she would, she gave that kind of uh, nurturing piece. I don't want to take it away. It's, you know, being a single parent was extremely difficult. But I do it all again the exact same way. A hundred percent. What you learn from it, how it, tests you and how you grow from it was huge. I'm now at this stage in my life where I need to really look at the hamster wheel and know and, and ask myself, do I need to be running as fast as I'm running or why am I running so fast still? You know, it's, it's very hard to get off the hamster wheel once you're on it, but it's 
a really good marketing manager, uh, a great girl called Nicola. She was with Connacht Rugby. And I remember taking away oh, something. Nicola Barrett. Nicola Barrett. Yeah. She's brilliant. Yeah. And she talks about bigger, fewer, better. Let's not fill the whole day with a hundred different things. Let's pick a few things that are big and high impact. And I'm not there yet, but that's where I, I, I want to get to. And what about women who are trying to work their way up the so-called career ladder and then become young mothers or whatever? Yeah. It doesn't matter what age yeah. they are, but they become mothers and there's that sudden f- family commitment. And just going back then to the variety of hours, hours that you have yeah. to face. I mean, that's challenging, isn't it? It is very challenging. I think the world is becoming more forgiving, though, that I think we're all a lot more conscious of people's well-being. And that just because you do 70 hours doesn't mean you're effective. I always say it's the difference between being efficient and being effective. Efficient is you're doing a good job. Effective is you're doing the right job good. And I think you can't be effective if you're doing 60, 70 hours. And if I was to get up into my soapbox (laughs) and and I feel very strongly, you know, there's a lot around gender pay gap. And I can speak from my experience. I believe it's not a gender pay gap. It's a mother pay gap. Women, we, we take a year off. It's and, and naturally, we want to take a year off when we have our babies. Sometimes we need and should take a little bit more than a year. But definitely, anybody who comes back before the year, you're not going to be in the right headspace. That's how I feel. And so you've taken the year off. And then all of a sudden, you're back in. The crash calls. Generally, you're the one that has to go. You know, you're doing all the school pickups. If somebody's sick, you're out. You know, and all of a sudden, it's not because you're a woman, you're back. It's because you're a mother. And that can be very, very difficult. There is a lot of, there's a lot of guilt I hold around not getting home for bedtime. But if I can give any bit of advice, you, you can only do your best. And once your intention is right, I didn't not get home from bedtime because I was out drinking or because I went for a massage. I didn't not get home right because I was trying to build a life for us. Everybody needs to do what's right for them. And what we need to do as a society is make it easier for women to come back into the workplace when the timing's right for them or build an environment where they can continue to be as ambitious as they want to be or choose to be and facilitate that whilst also prioritising. Because if we get to the stage where women are choosing not to have babies, we're in bigger trouble Mm -hmm. because we don't have a next generation. We don't. And I, as I jokingly said earlier on, you know, I've, I've done this backways. I'm now in my 40s with an empty nest going, right, great. I'm going to take the reins on this and really, you know, for the next five to 10 years, really, really drive my career. But that's not that's not everybody else's story. So I think you can only do what feels right for you. What I will say is if I had to choose between Ben Killian's mom and having the best career in the world, I'd choose being his mom every day. That was the best part of my life. And it continues to be the best part of my life. I look forward to in the hopefully not too near future, doing what my mom did and, you know, ruining these kids. <laughs> no <laughs> pressure, Killian, now, no pressure. You're still but a young if, man. <laughs> if that's the journey he chooses, I look forward to that. But what I will say is they love you regardless. You know, try and be kind to yourself. Try and be nice to yourself. I can tell you now that I'm the other side of it. He's not come off badly for it. He knew he was always a priority, but what my intention was with the long hours. And I do believe it's changing. You know, I do think that there is a change in the tide. 
we now see the value of keeping women in the workplace or um, women grow in, in leadership positions. Women bring such a different perspective, I believe, to any kind of decision making that companies are better off for having that kind of diversity. Yeah, and I think it's important what you're saying, you know, there needs to be that clear change of attitude to support both the mommies and the daddies. And the and, daddies. Yeah. Like, and believe it or not, you know, within our family, my sisters are the, you know, in, in three situations, my sisters are the main breadwinners and their husbands are the homemakers. And that were really works for them and they love it. And I always say true feminism is when you're really thinking about how both sides are. So there's always a primary parent and there has to be. And I was lucky enough that that was myself and my mom balanced each other out well. But not everybody is built for mm. staying at home. Yeah. And there are parents out there who it is so fulfilling to be at home and they should be allowed to do that. And then if and when they choose to come back in, and build a career that the opportunities are there for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm involved in a lot of things, like I'm on the council for the Goa Chamber. Well, I'll correct you there now. You're the deputy president of Goa Chamber. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and that's, again, another example of... That's an, a great endorsement, though, isn't it? Huge, huge. And, and, and it's something I, I feel very privileged to have been given the opportunity to to step into a, a position there. And would you have sought something no, like that? Oh my God, no, it, it was never a possibility. But I'm very, very determined to prove that it was the right decision. It will be a challenge in the next couple of years. I have a lot to learn. But there's a, a team there within the Goa Chamber who are fantastic and do phenomenal work. And my job is to come in and, and bring my skill set to the table. And I feel very strongly that if I try and emulate past presidents, I'm not being me and I'm not, it's not going to work. So I have to bring whatever my prescription is. I'm going to have to bring that to the table. But So you're in line to be president next? Next year. Yeah. Yeah. End of this year into next year. So is it fair to say that consciously, maybe subconsciously, part of your intention during the presidency would be to maybe get the chamber to branch out a little bit more from the city to maybe getting more involved in commuter towns like Banlaslow and trying to create a bit of regeneration there? Absolutely. You know, a hundred percent. And I can remember being out in Banlaslow and like that, really struggling to get business in. And we knew if Goa City filled, we would fill. If Goa City was busy, we'd get a knock-on effect because that transient corporate piece, there wouldn't be space within the city. So Banlaslow would get it. But there's definitely an intention in the chamber that we take in the county a lot more. But do you feel that needs to be pushed harder now? I do. I feel that that's definitely an opportunity. That coupled with brand Galway. What are we? Who are we? Who are we talking to? I feel very, very passionately about Galway. And we, as I said earlier, have an embarrassment of riches. We have so much industry here. We have so much positivity. We have a, a tourism offering that's, there's, a hundred towns in, in, in Ireland that I kill for. Yeah. You know, we're the envy in that space. And we what we need to do is tell that story. But one of the key elements that I, I suppose I, I want to bring to my chamber presidency is partnership. It's working together. And again, maybe this is my uh, polypositive, but nothing serious enough that we should fall out with people. It's all about honest communication. You know, what are your challenges? 
Why is why is it that this has been stopped? Well, there's about four different things. Okay, how can we work through those? Solutionizing things. Yeah. Things just need solutions. Everything is figure outable. But we get caught up in our own, our chimp brain. How does this affect me? What is this going to do for me? Will this take away from me? You know, and that's that's the enemy of progress. I suppose this is my sales background, but a good sale happens when both people walk away satisfied. Mm. Nobody wins, nobody loses. You're not building long-term relationships if you're the one that's always winning. Yeah. You're going to have to compromise on certain things. And I think that's a space we need to get to in business is that compromising isn't losing. Compromising is building long-term relationships and partnerships. You have to build trust and share information and say, are you busy um, next June? And they go, yeah, yeah, I have four conferences or we're up to this and weddings. And learning that by sharing information, that's a good thing. And when, when we have this shared information, everything, it's the rising tide lifts all boats. We're all working together. Galway wins when hospitality wins. People come here and they have an amazing experience and they go, I want to live here. I want to work here. I want to bring my European hub here. You know, without hospitality, we can't facilitate that. Without somebody coming over here and the IDA hosting them in our amazing city that has a festival, you know, every couple of weeks, yeah. you know, without that energy and that magic, that's why we've grown. That's my belief is why Galway, that's the magic of Galway, is that people come here and they feel it, they experience it. And it's this fascinating city of eclectic, like uh, we had a chat recently and we we're going, there's no notions in Galway. No. Nobody has notions. It's classless. Yeah. You know, you're in Nocton's having a pint. If the solicitor next to, you know, the person who, who works part time in a shop, you have somebody else, you have a teacher who's talking to a CEO. You know, it's classless. It's notionless. Mm. And in fact, that's the worst thing you could be in Galway is have notions about oh, yourself. Completely. But that experience, that's the authentic connection that people love about Galway. And for years in my career, I always, I was really working towards trying to be something I saw. I need to be her. I need to be him. Yeah. I need to be them. It really only clicked when I was just myself. And I think... And were you ever based in like capitals, Dublin, London, anything like that? I worked out of Blanchardstown in the Carlton there. And again, another fascinating learning experience. But coming back to Galway was just amazing. And I, I came back and I, I worked with MHL and I was there for the opening of the reopening of Glenlow and the Harbour Hotel. So I took care of both. And... Again, I'd never worked in the luxury space. And that learning I took from getting into Glenlow and having to learn about Five Star and how to build Five Star. And are Five Star customers more difficult because they have more expectations? Yeah, I suppose for me where I had to reframe was it's not about volume. It's not about getting hundreds and hundreds of bums and beds. It's about getting that really niche market to come and stay and have an amazing experience. And it's about those tiny notable touches, those little bits extra that you do. But you see, you're bringing people to the door mm -hmm. and in, but you're relying then on a team to have really good customer service. Absolutely. Our biggest market within the Connacht Hotel is repeat referral. That's our biggest distribution channel. Tell me more about what is repeat referral. So repeat referral is people who come and stay and go, oh, you should go there. You should stay there. And how do you log that information? It's very, very hard. It's it's very hard. No, we, ha we have a new system uh, and it's called Revenate and it's a customer relationship management system. And for the leisure guest, 
So we're able to see. So you're checking in. I look up your profile. I can tell how, how often you've stayed. I can tell what your feedback was on your last day. I can tell, you know, if you celebrated a birthday with us and it's the same time this year. It's data and it's personalization to scale is really what we call it. So we're able to say Gary's checking in. He actually stayed here at the same time last year and he noted it was his birthday. So when you come in and you stay this time, there's a card in your room and a box of chocolates that says, happy birthday, thanks for coming back. And it's that referral piece, those little pieces. We can spend hundreds of thousands of euro putting messages out there. But the customers are in our business and spending a couple of euro ahead, making that experience unique and personalised is really where the benefit comes in. How do you make it work then in somewhere like the Pucon, which is a pub that people go to at the yeah. weekends mainly or watching a match? Yeah. How do you get that constant retainership? We're very focused on what's the experience like there. You know, we, we look at, we analyse our numbers. You know, how many are in between 9 and 10? How many were in 10 to 11? We changed the music there and then our numbers went back down. You know, we're clocking how many people are in at any given time. So it's all about what's the guest. And is this, when you say clocking, is this literally like a monitor? clocking numbers. Yeah. Yeah, with 300 in between 9 and 10. With someone manually doing it? Somebody manually. Okay. Yeah. Our security teams and our door teams clock as people go in and people go out. We know how many heads are, are, are in the place. But you also, you trust the teams there that go, God, the atmosphere was electric. And that's what people come back for. They go, oh my God, we, when we go down to Galway next time, we have to go to the Pucon. It was great crack. Or my cousin said that this is a great place when you go down to Galway. We can sell and market as much as we want. But if people come in and it falls flat and they don't enjoy the experience, we're at nothing. You know, it's it's so much easier to retain a customer than buy a new one. Yeah. But do you get to a stage where you can say, OK, look, we've the formula right now. This is what we do in a Friday night. This works every Friday night. Can you step away for a year and just know mm. that? No. You'd love to think you can, but the customers keep changing. Their expectations change. Post-COVID, it was all about cocktails. Cocktails, 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 because we couldn't make cocktails at home. Nobody was buying draft and our spirit sales were way back. But cocktails were the thing. So mixologists and you build a cocktail menu. And we've just, we've gone back now. We're into... Spirits are back. Gin is back. Tequila is making it. So it's it's always changing. But we look at things probably monthly, actually, or and definitely quarterly. And we go, what worked there? What didn't work there? What do we need to be doing more of? What worked really well? And how can we keep that going? What's it like at the moment in the hospitality trade in terms of cost of electricity and gas have risen significantly? Minimum wage changed there in January, which I'm sure had a knock-on effect mm. for you. It's hard to source people at the moment. It's, yeah. I, I mean, you started off talking about COVID and the challenge of that, but there's probably unforeseen challenges now that you're facing. Absolutely. It, and there are. One thing with COVID is we all said we can cope with anything now. So it's all, it's just a next set of challenges. What it did for us, and I suppose, again, the embarrassment of riches and Galway is that we, you know, we didn't have a lot of troubles. We don't have a big tourism issue in Galway within hospitality. So we hadn't really tested our skill sets. And I can only speak for our team. We hadn't tested our skill sets. We've tested them now. We know what our breaking point is. We know how to crisis manage. We know what needs to be done. We know what worked. We know what didn't work. So when challenges arise now, 
we're a lot more flexible. I think hospitality as an industry is undervalued. It afforded me a career and it's a career you can grow in. You don't need to enter into. You know, I worked behind bars. I started in reservations. I moved into sales. Sales grew to group sales. Group sales grew to group marketing and innovation. You know, there is a progression there. For somebody who enjoys, you know, variety and that no day is the same, it's an amazing career to be in. But there are challenges. But there's a, there are challenges within every industry. The recruitment piece is a particularly big challenge right now. And in hospitality, we have a lot of learning we need to do as far as how we pay people, how we treat people, what the, the employee experience is. We're working very hard in the Connacht to allow flexibility, to allow people the flexibility to work breakfast shifts and not have to come back in the evening if they have kids. Yeah, there was an interesting thing you're talking to me about before where, you know, there'd be a mom or a dad out there whose child might be in primary school, yeah. finishes at one o'clock, two mm. o'clock, but they still want to do something for a few hours during yeah. the day, earn bit of money, have their own independence and, you know, you're facilitating that. Yeah. And, and hospitality is perfect for that. You know, it's a 24-7 job. So you can plug in where, wherever suits you and your family set up best. It's also an exciting job. And there's so many skills that you learn that you can take into any industry. And the confidence and the that has grown from that Absolutely. Alone. Absolutely. There are skills you take for, I know, and all of within hospitality, we take for granted. Yeah, but you don't get them from a book. No, and you don't. And it's, it's you have that college job. You know, you don't necessarily need to take hospitality as a career, but I would highly recommend getting a bar job yeah. or highly recommend working in a cafe or restaurant. It's so much fun. It's great crack. You're building, you know, skills you don't even know what you're building. Working in a team hard work, dealing with customers. There's so much richness there that you're not going to get if you go cold from college into an office yeah. space. But there are, listen, there are the costs within hospitality, the the energy management. That's a huge focus for us at the moment. We're lucky enough as we had been on a our sustainability journey for the last few years. We have a lot of good practices in place. COVID derailed us slightly, but we're back and we're, we're back focused on that. But we have infrastructure there that really helps us manage our energy efficiencies on some of the properties and others, we have a bit of work to do. But you take everything and again, you solution it. What are we doing? How can we fix this? Let's break it down. Let's work through it. I remember going to a talk once and it was a, an economist and he said, the Irish are better tenants than landlords. This was at the end of the, the last crash. There was green shoots. And he said, the Greeks, they wallow. They'll wallow in things for years. The Irish, he said, we figure out, what can we do? How can we fix this? How can we move forward? And he predicted at the time, he said, we'll be out of this by next November. And almost to the day, there was economic recovery because we're great in a crisis. Throw us into something and we'll figure our way out of it. And I think that's something as a, that's in our pathology. It's, it's in who we are as people. And I think we need to lean into that. We need to go, okay, things are happening. How are we fixing it? What are we doing? How can we do this? Who has the skills within the room to, to to fix this? Ask opinions. And like one thing I, I, I'm i very conscious of that I really try and do is at least once a day, I speak to somebody outside of our business and you learn so much from that. You know, you take so much away from that because you can get insular mm. and you can get caught up in all of the problems or you can take the problem and solution it. So, Ivana, as we wrap up our conversation today, 
What advice would you give to someone as one of the main ingredients to success? Work hard, have a good attitude. Work hard doesn't mean do 60, 70 hours. It means when you're in there, give it your all and have a good attitude. People want to be around people they like being around. Opportunities come when you're open to them. And also, key for me is surround yourself with people who are really good at what they do and don't be arrogant enough to think you know more than people. Ask the questions. We have a great team and everybody brings something to the table and it's about hearing everybody's voice in that. And that diversity of voices. Diversity of voice is key, particularly in marketing. They're your focus group. You have an on-hand focus group on a daily basis and it's to really be open to hearing everybody's voice. So yeah, work hard, have a good attitude and surround yourself with people that teach you stuff. Excellent. Well, I've learned a lot today, so thank you. Thank you for the time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks again to Ivana for joining me on the show and thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the podcast. Let me know what you were going to take away from today's episode. What was the piece you really loved? And you can get in touch with me directly via Gary Talks on Instagram, LinkedIn or TikTok. Have a great week and I look forward to talking to you again on Friday for a short bonus episode of Business Bites. Take care. <laughs>